Hey guys, welcome back to Inclusion RX. Uh, got a special guest tonight, Logan Aldridge. For those of you who don't know Logan, he's been on the podcast a couple of times, two or two or three times. How, how many times have you been on? Three times? Two, three. Two, yeah, three. Okay. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Lo- Logan uh, is with the Adaptive Training Academy and the, one of the strongest men I know, stronger than me. Not, and that's not saying much. So no offense, Logan, but you are stronger <laughs> than me. So which I don't is a good know thing. about that. Yeah, but it's um, always a pleasure, dude. Yeah. And, you know, keeping along the, you know, the theme of this video series is obviously diversity and inclusion. I, you know, I immediately thought of you uh, for this because, um, you know, when I think of a group that uh, I often see Jim struggling with figuring out how to coach like scaled athletes or adaptive athletes and, and really like understand the inclusion piece. And you're the resident expert, I think, in the CrossFit space. So yeah. I thought we'd just get together and chat about it. So let's start well, with how, how you been. Yeah, man. Uh, great. Thanks so much for having me on here. Uh, I'm humbled to think that you think of me in that way. It's, that's an honor and awesome. Um, I'll just say I'm obsessed. I'm just experienced and obsessed with trying to make more uh, accessible options for people, I guess is really where my passion lies. So yeah, when you reached out and told me about, um, inclusion RX, I thought this was awesome. This is so cool to take this perspective and give you know, really your audience, your followers, gym owners, um, some perspective and insight from some other groups in the community, trying to do the same thing, create solutions, uh, voice the importance of inclusivity right now more than ever. But, uh, you know, for us at Adaptive Training Academy, I think it's pretty obvious that in inclusion efforts has always been the core at what we do. I mean, that's the message of why we spread education. And so it was, a uh, it seems like the the approach that a lot of affiliate owners have as CrossFit coaches is one of um, this is for everyone. We know the CrossFit model. And at the end of the day, we've seen it time and time again, increase GPP for anyone and wherever they start. Like, I think that's the cool part about the CrossFit model is that there's no assessment on where you begin. You just you, you show up and you learn the movements and you progress uh, and you develop. And so. For us at ATA, you know, that's exactly the, the approach we take in our education. We're not telling you one way to train or one type of training. And more than just teaching you adaptive principles, we're teaching uh, inclusion techniques in terms of group management and the setting, but also just what that word means and how we define it as the unconditional respect and acceptance of all individuals, regardless of ability, race, or gender. Uh, when you say it that way, doesn't it make a lot of sense? I knew I'd see the cat. I'd always yeah, of, course, see of course, Bean's always on the show, man. You knew this. You knew this. Oh, gosh. I, was, I thought I didn't think it would be this soon. No, it's always. As soon as we start talking. Yeah, so anyways, Bean sorry. Shows up. I, was, I was interrupted by Bean. But no, that's, you know, it's, it's the, the core of what we advocate for. Uh, w- there is not one version of an adaptive athlete. You know, everybody's uh, impairment or ability level ranges. And so inclusion is also the concept for us as educators of universal and how our education is uh, understood, how it's absorbed, you know? So why would it would be quite hypocritical for us to develop a course that was featured online and someone who was hard of hearing couldn't watch our videos without captions and can't watch them. Right. So we have to think of inclusion and universal design in our own course, in our education, how we deliver it. We hope that, and it's something that we provide in our course is a way in which to look at your facility as a gym owner 
And not only the facility, and that's typically, you know, when we were doing live seminars and the world was open, that was a prominent part of it. But I think right now is everybody's pivoting or thinking, how do I serve my members? How do I show that I'm welcoming and inclusive and accepting and accessible physically and emotionally to anyone who wants to be here? Um, but more so, uh, it's time to be online. It's time to do something in an online presence. And that's what we've done in our course as well is teaching the trainer that, okay, after you have obtained this knowledge, you may go back to a virtual training environment. You may run virtual classes or you may be running, you know, social distance classes in your gym environment. And I think more so for the adaptive population, it's a reality that it's hard to go back into physical spaces. Um, sometimes there are a lot of underlying health conditions as well, and it's tough for them to feel comfortable to go back in there, regardless if anybody might feel uncomfortable at this time. So it's, it's a different, uh, it's a different consideration, but once you um, have the knowledge of working with anyone's ability level in fitness, I think you become a much more confident coach. And whether that's uh, the the term is adaptive, whether the individual has a permanent impairment, or whether they just have a bad hip or uh, a knee injury or a shoulder's tweaked, or just become, old like me, you, just be old like me. And it better not mean that we don't allow those people the same access and opportunity to fitness. So my advocacy does not just stem from adaptive population. It extends to human beings. And I think it extends to when we're just viewed on an oppression. We have a first impression of someone and we assume an ability level or a capability level or uh, an interest uh, category. And I think we shouldn't do that. I think we should consider more inclusivity and open thought to everyone and make this stuff more accessible and we're trying to do that, obviously, for the adaptive population. But I hope the message is then heard that, wow, if, I, if I'm in the fitness world and I learn how to work with pe- the special needs population, adaptive population, now I just became a much more conscientious uh, coach prescribing fitness in doses that are very custom and specific to benefit this individual in the best way. So you said a lot of stuff there, dude. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 no, it's good. It's fine. I'm just, my brain's small. Um, what do you think is the biggest barrier for the gyms? Like I look at, you know, I've been doing this for a decade. I, I set foot in dozens of gyms over the years and I keep like, I was racking my brain the other day, trying to think of how many had handicap ramps as an example, like, you know, wheelchair yeah. ramps, like, yeah. and there's very few. So like, I was yeah. looking at them, well, that's a barrier, you know, but like, what yeah. do you, when you're out and you're talking to gym owners, like what are the biggest barriers that are a keeping the gyms from you know, making this a, a focus or a need, you know, finding that need and, and B, how do they address it? Like, what should they be addressing first? Yeah. Great, great questions and stuff we get quite, quite frequently. And yeah, physical barriers exist. And and honestly, I feel for those business owners that that may be the situation because it's not, it's not their building, you know, it's a lease it's somewhere that they've, they need to be, especially uh, specifically with the CrossFit model. Like that's really hard. You know, you're already, in um, a, a, a rental area where you've got to make it work for your financial needs. And so it's hard to then request, you know, accessible entrances and all these things. Um, there's totally ways to make your facility more accessible. I mean, uh, Noose River is accessible, but it also has a huge garage bay door out the back, like a lot of CrossFit gyms do. And it's elevated because it's really for an 18 wheeler. And so it's just a huge drop off. And he built, uh, uh, John built a, you know, a ramp that extended all the way down. And so it makes another rear accessibility, if probably not is the appropriate 
ramp degree for a seated athlete, but it'll challenge them to get up there. <laughs> but the front <laughs> of the building, front of the building is accessible as it should right. be with, you know, appropriate handicap parking, but all that it's ADA stuff. It's typical ADA compliance checklist for uh, existing facilities that, uh, you know, whoever they're leasing their building from would have to go through, but that's all specific, not very inter- interesting, fun stuff to, to mention. But, you know, I think what most um, gym owners or trainers want is um, to get this knowledge and really for the individual to feel welcome in their service that they offer. It's very, it's a different type of uh, group. And we work with these organizations often that all they do is work with adaptive population. So it's one thing to try to be developing an adaptive program in your facility where you, for every day of the week, Monday through Friday, maybe twice a week, maybe once a week, you have a program just for adaptive athletes. That's one approach and model, or it's trying to get the knowledge and express the, um, the willingness and the accessibility of their fitness in your facility. You have the education and you have the ability to put them through workouts and bringing them into the group setting. Something we talk about in the course, like the way you onboard an adaptive athlete is a little different than the way you would onboard an able-bodied individual. Um, but it makes a lot of sense when you see the model. Like you still go through the foundations approach and that's very much where you're able to learn the most. Not only would do we do that with any able-bodied individual, but that's where you really see limitations expressed. And that's what's obser- observable and measurable for us in terms of assessments with adaptive athletes. That's what makes the progression of fitness so exciting because you watch these benchmarks change. Not their time on Fran. Yes, that changes too and all those workout benchmarks, but their physical benchmarks and range of motion start to change and develop. And that's really powerful stuff. And I am always of the thought, and it's always has been that the gyms I've gone to where you want to get them then into the class setting, into the group setting. So are you getting them into just like any class or they would they have their own classes? No, they would be able to go to any class, any any day of the week, it's, you know, they're just, they're a member at that facility. That's so, the level of inclusion that we are aiming for when we uh, are, are giving this education. So what you're advocating then, and I think we talked, maybe talked about this to some degree on the podcast before is then, you know, while you're talking about adaptive training is really scaled training. I mean, I, I don't know if that's what you would call it, but it sounds like if you're bringing them in the class, you're doing the same workouts as everybody else. You're just learning to scale those workouts to someone who happens to have a, an impairment in this case. Well, well, I would not, I would disagree with that. Okay. It would be the point of they, they can't move that load because they don't have enough strength and sure. they don't have enough. You scale Fran because you want to make that workout stay under five minutes. And if you can't thrust her 95 pounds for 21 reps unbroken, you scale that weight because you can't do it because of your strength. Right. You don't, when you change the workout, there is an RX for an adaptive athlete for sure. So you're not, you're customizing the workout. There's very specific language in that regard in terms of the um, psychological impact of the language and to scale is very much happening with adaptive athletes has to like has should happen way more often with all of us, frankly, but there's absolutely RXs and progressions, and we identify that. And of course, you understand how to make the right calculations and adjustments when you view this workout and you create the adaptation, whether it follow one of our four principles of movement pattern or task accomplishment or stimulus. And once you've done that and you develop this program, 
we've done it thousands of times, obviously, on an individual basis and an affiliate group basis, and it works. This model works. And it's we're teaching you the filter. We're teaching you the black box. We're not teaching you if it's air squats and they're in a wheelchair, make them do this. No, that, that could be a book, and it could just give it out. But no, we're teaching you how to approach this with anyone that may on be have any sort of spectrum of ability level. And I think that's the part that uh, we haven't done a good job at explaining. That's what you gain from our education. But the feedback constantly reiterates this. And the application, um, the diversity of our education is far greater than we anticipated. Uh, and it's phenomenal. And we're improving and taking notes and learning from these experts. But, you know, we just got done doing um, a cohort model course for 96 teachers and therapists in the Fairfax County public school system in Virginia. And, you know, that started with a couple of those uh, uh, occupational therapists had taken our live seminar in Baltimore, loved it two years ago, said, this needs to be in all of our elementary schools and public school systems because there's kids with special needs, there's kids with disabilities, there's PE classes, and there's adapted PE teachers that uh, you know know some things, but we're coming at it from a completely different inclusive perspective. So we took the, the whole school system through it, and it was phenomenal, and the feedback is remarkable, and it's leading to our knowledge. This focus of inclusion in the CrossFit box is now being applied to inclusion in school systems. So for us, um, helping bridge that gap even more and helping more therapists see the importance of functional fitness, the importance of pursuing GPP, especially for people with some disability or impairment is critical, critical. Yeah. I'm trying to, I guess what I'm trying to wrap my mind around and I, I'm loving, you know, the thought of, you know, that, you know, you run your normal class and it's going to be so inclusive that, you know, it doesn't matter what your impairment are, whether you have an impairment or don't, you're part of the class. Like that part I get, I guess what I'm trying to wrap my mind around is like, so we're, so now you're bringing, you know, whoever into the class with an impairment is, is what you're teaching. Are are they going to be programming special for this person? And does that, I guess I'm just trying to wrap my mind. Does that make it feel less inclusive for that person? If we're, if we're doing that, or are we taking the programming that was already there and adapting it to the adaptive athlete? Yeah, you're it's, it's adapting the workout. So CrossFit classes and this model is from an ableist perspective. So we're writing a workout, assuming you have, you work, your body works well. And in every regard, you should be customizing that workout for honestly, a lot more of your population than you probably are in terms of where their athleticism is to hit the appropriate stimulus of that workout. It's really hard to do in a big group setting. It's even harder when you throw in someone with adaptive needs, right? It's not so much, it is a responsibility of the coach, it's a responsibility of the trainer, but it's not all on them. And when you take our course, you learn that, that this part is where we teach that at that point, if that adaptive athlete has been onboarded in our model, if they're in that class, they know what adaptations they should be making. They know generally what they've already been through it. They've been I'm exposed to it and taught and their so foundations has been that. Yeah. So it's not just the coaches going through, it's the athletes too. For sure. Yeah. Like, like I think of myself here, like, you know, I'm, I love the term ableist, by the way, I'm going to start using that, but, uh, that's a very real term. It is a real term. I like it. And, uh, you know, like I scale for myself all the time, but I've done it long enough. Like I know what I should be adapt, like what I'm good at, what I don't like, I hate rope climbs. I'm not good at them. They scare me. 
bluntly. And so I know what movements I should be subbing based on what the rest of the workout looks like. Cause I've done it long enough. I've basically been trained to do that. So right. I love, I love the, you know, this concept and idea that, you know, not only are the coaches going to learn this, but the athletes that are going to be in there doing it also should know and not just yeah. be completely and utterly reliant on coach going, all right, today you're doing X, you know? Yeah. That's just a, our learners are athletes as well. Our learners are the, I was like when I got into all of this, I went and took every course I could on adaptive training, adaptive fitness. I wanted to know, not because I wanted to be a trainer. I really didn't. I didn't have any aspiration to become a coach or trainer, but I thought if I'm going to work out and know how to work out well, I want to know what other people are telling trainers how to service me. And I'm also curious, I'm a part of this group that, you know, I get immediately lumped into this uh, disabled population group as we all do. So why don't I band together and, and know what it's like to be a seated athlete and how you would program for somebody like that and how you put them through a safe workout. And I just became fascinated with this stuff and I'm just intrigued by it. And I love the creativity that it provokes. It makes people kind of get outside of the box. And I love that thinking. Um, so, you know, and that's been a huge selfish uh benefit for me is to be creative. You know, that's why I was so attracted to this crazy CrossFit stuff and all the ridiculous demands and the unknown and the unknowable every day. And one day there was double unders and I didn't know how to do those. Do do you guys have any sense um, of how many athletes there are out there that would be willing to do CrossFit if there were a facility that had someone trained and could put them through this course? Do you have any idea? Uh, Adaptive athletes? Yeah. (sighs) I mean, millions it's accessibility i think if it was in their pocket if it was on their phone i think you'd have hundreds of thousands of people with disabilities participating in functional fitness i mean it's it's incredible the opportunities we've had through this unfortunate pandemic to work with organizations that need to serve their adaptive population and we've done it virtually and again some some very sedentary, some like not at all into fitness, the first exposure to fitness ever. They were a part of a group that was really more for emotional support and guidance, maybe a veteran group or something. And we took them through fitness, like tough, tough fitness. Yeah. Everybody's appropriate stimulus and ability level. And the feedback, everyone, they just want more of it. Like they become raving fans and like, I had no idea. This is awesome. How do I get involved? So it's just, it's, um, everybody's, they're scared. It's intimidating which we all know the word CrossFit, CrossFit gyms, boxes, but also fitness in general in terms of this population. But uh, accessibility becomes um, the most important part. And, you know, we can beat ourselves until we're incapable of thinking a different way by thinking it's all about going towards the athlete. And I think that's been the model of our education is it's about going to the trainers. Empowerment happens to the athlete, but it also happens to the trainers. It also happens to the therapists. It also happens to the medical professionals in a really productive, positive way where it's like, Hey, how do we work together? How do we be closer in thought? And if so, we instill naturally a lot more hope to someone when something happens now they see the synergy and the connection and they're like, Oh, this means I can do this. And I go into fitness. And so that's the bigger picture of we're just right now we're starting with education. with yeah, well, well, you know me, dude, I'm a banker. So I'm like, I'm just doing the math. Like, I mean, I love everything you're saying. I think it's brilliant. Um, you know, I'm also thinking of the, you know, 13,000 CrossFit gyms out there in the middle of a pandemic and yeah. half of them probably struggling to make the bills and now thinking, all right, well, there's, 
millions of adaptive athletes that would be willing to pay and willing to come in and be a regular member in your gym if you had the facility that could do it. And like here in Cleveland, like we have a VA here in Cleveland as an example, and hundreds of therapy, you know, thousands, the Cleveland clinics here, like think of all the therapists and, and people that go there. Like, I'm just thinking, you know, what kind of good could you do in the community if you're willing to put a coach on staff that could do it and willing to put the athletes through it and, and grow your business at the same time? Like it's the ultimate win really, you know, exactly. You know, um, what we're realizing a part of our responsibility here as well is we've been so fortunate through this to make great connections with great nonprofits, great uh, partnerships with the VA. Um, and these are very sought after relationships for that affiliate owner when they have that knowledge in their local community. So, you know, I'm embarrassed to say we haven't done a good job at this very, very, for very long, but it's been very apparent to me for a while that we educate these trainers and then we send them back into their communities. And yes, we told them how to onboard. We told them how we give them examples of someone who took our course and then did go to the VA and start a good program. But what we need to be doing is taking all of these trainers that are now ATA trainers and edifying them, edifying them on a platform that is global to be accessed so that no matter where you are in the world, you can read about who these people are that are ATA certified trainers, their backgrounds, what gym they train at and where they coach and their specialty. Maybe they work with autism specifically. Like we need to be housing all of that on our site. So that's a big project we're working on right now. Uh, and, and like I said, I, I, I'm embarrassed that we hadn't done it sooner. It's so obvious that that's what we should be doing. Um, and, then, and then on top of that, adding the affiliation, the ATA affiliate option for facilities to put them on our map so that adaptive athletes, anyone can just find in their area, you know, where that accessible facility is, where there is someone with the knowledge and you just know that uh, you're totally welcome there. Yeah. Well, look, you guys are doing great work. Um, there's absolutely no doubt about it. I, you know, I guess that's kind of the the challenge I want to wrap this up with is is for our gyms to start getting involved with you guys. And, and you know, I've got to believe there's a greater need in all of the communities that we serve to, you know, address this. If If affiliate owners or coaches wanted to contact you guys, where would they reach out to? How would they reach you? You can always hit us up on Instagram at Adaptive Training. We're super active on there. You can always email info at adaptivetrainingacademy.com. And, you know, you can always join us. Like we, you know, talk about all this education, talk about ATA. There's also Wheelwad. Wheelwad does all of the actual competitions, all of the fitness, all of the adaptive athletes are training to compete on that platform. And every Saturday, it's a free workout. Anybody's welcome. Able-bodied, adaptive, anyone's welcome you will get to witness in a zoom virtual workout, a bunch of badass adaptive athletes being savages and throwing down and talking shit and cheering each other on. And uh, you can be a part of that arms wide open, always welcome. And that's a good way just to like, see what this little community is like, see that this community is robust and growing and, and wanting to be included and do more. And, uh, and is welcome to any interest or curiosity. We just want to spread it. We just want to keep spreading it. So join a free Saturday workout. Or check us out, adaptivetrainacademy.com. Sign up for our cohort course, or we'll take you through the course. So you, all you got to do is sit back and learn. Four weeks, you're done. Certified adaptive trainer. Right, they've invited me the last two weeks, by the way, and I haven't been able to join. Uh, mm -hmm. mostly cause I didn't want to, no, I'm uh -huh. kidding. Uh, yeah, they're <laughs> savages. All those guys are set. Like every, like when I was at Wadapalooza, I forget the young lady's name. She follows me and she'll punch me in the nose for not knowing, but, um, 
she she's missing an appendage, missing you know part of her arm. Yeah, yeah. and and she came over. She's like, oh, I love your page, and you know, can I get a picture? And I'm like, sure. And so we're talking, and she's like, oh, you know, put your arm here, but don't touch me here. I have a rope burn. I'm like, why do you have a rope burn? She's like, I was just doing rope climbs. She looked at me like I was an idiot, and she had this yeah. huge rope burn, like right under here, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just sitting there like. I don't like to do rope climbs with two legs and two arms. Like they scare the bejesus out of me. And here's this savage going up with, you know, one and a half arms and just like only complaining about the rope climb. I'm like, I'm just so enthralled with like how brave and strong and what incredible athletes they are. Dude, that's and, you're uh, probably talking about Christy Hagen or somebody. Yeah, I think so. I I I'll have to look it up. I feel bad now, but uh, they've invited me the last couple of weeks, and I've been busy, and I uh, want to get on one of those sure. Zoom workouts. But I know they're going to kick my butt because they're just all savages, like all of them. But, they're tough, man. They're always brutal hero wads. They're tough. But yeah, they they don't. They're not really scared of anything. There's no, no doubt about it. Well, no. I appreciate the the great work you guys are doing, Logan. I appreciate you being on. We'll have you back on really really soon for more of this, so we can. Oh, well, I'm going to give you a list of badass athletes that you should have Good. on too. So we've got Good. a bunch of people that I'd love to hear their stories told on your platform. It's awesome. Yeah. Stuff. Well, I think this, you know, when you think of inclusion, I think we often, you know, view that as, uh, you know, other people don't view this as a barrier for a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think it really is. So, you know, I think, um, CrossFit, we forget sometimes how scary CrossFit is to come into, you know, um, we just, we think of inclusion typically as just race, you know, and, and it's so much more. And I think you guys are a huge part and, and doing really, really great work. You guys have been doing great work and I know you'll continue to So thank you for what you're doing. So thank you, John. It's always a pleasure. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, we will be back next week. Thanks for watching.